Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Thursday, January the 12th. And our top story today is that 15 more couples have had their weddings cancelled after a hotel near Sandwich suddenly closed. The Blue Pigeons in Worth is being sold, with the owners saying the bar, restaurant and functions will cease operation immediately. It comes just a day after almost 40 grooms and brides-to-be were told to find another venue after a hotel in Tunbridge said it was closing at the end of the month. Well, a venue in Sandwich has managed to accommodate some of those ceremonies, and I've been speaking to Richard Martin, who's from The Blazing Donkey. We're traditionally very busy this time of year anyway, of course, because um, uh, people tend to propose a lot of Christmas time and the phones start ringing directly afterwards. But um, directly after New Year, um, we had some uh, uh, sort of quite late-night calls from brides that are in distress over the news, they just uh, they did they just had that their weddings had been cancelled. So yeah, that's how we found out, um, and obviously uh, um, did a little bit of sort of background work on what had gone on. Spoke to the the Kent County Council's marriages office over in Thanet, with whom we deal, um, and uh, they've been supporting us in transferring across ceremonies. So that's been helpful as well. I mean, it is such a shame to hear about these hotels closing at the last minute and these weddings being cancelled. I don't know if you've seen on Kent Online got a story about another one in Tunbridge that's suddenly announcing it's shutting seven months earlier than planned. I mean, is it a tough time for the industry at the moment? I think it is. It's a very tough time for us all with with, uh, operating costs going up so much. Um, We're blessed with such a full order book that our business remains secure, but you mentioned um, the the hotel in Tunbridge. Um, only yesterday, um, a couple from Folkestone um, I met with who had their wedding booked at uh, Hadlow Manor in Tunbridge um, have now been able to rebook with us because um, they were originally uh, looking to close that property, I think, later in the year, but had to bring it forward with everything that's been going on. Yeah, and as you say, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people phoning you were in- incredibly distressed and upset because it, it's not an easy job, is it, planning a wedding? It often takes people oh, a, a lot no, of time and, and they have people travelling from all over. You couldn't be you couldn't be more right, to be honest. We, we obviously look after hundreds and hundreds of couples over the years and it's stressful enough, they say, don't they? Planning a wedding, moving house, all these stressful things in one's life and to add to that a curveball like these brides and grooms have received, um, you know, it must have been, and it, and it was obviously very, very um, stressful for them. One bride uh, who, uh, I think it was Tuesday, um, directly after the new year that, that we spoke to, um, was was so emotional that when we you know, confirmed that we could sort of reinvent her day for her at our place, just completely lost it and broke down in tears. And that's lovely to see in, in, in a nice way. And obviously they're not cheap as well. And I'm sure there's a lot of concern over the financial elements of it. Do you, I, mean, I know you don't know that hotel particularly, but do you know if they're being helped out at all? Oh, no, I, I understand. Certainly the one near to us in the village of Worth, um, I understand from all the couples that we've been able to rebook here, they've all received their um, their payments back. I think they've just decided the business is no longer viable and closed it and uh, and refunded everybody. And what we decided to do in the circumstances was to match the rates that they had for their days at 
this other hotel, even though our rates are normally much higher. That's really good of you. You are an absolute saviour. I mean, how much extra work is it going to create for you this year? We have a half a dozen or so um, couples that we've been able to to fix up. Um, But we've got the team here, the infrastructure and the business to look after many more. We do around 100 of these weddings each year. So the only downside for these couples is they couldn't have the dates they wanted and they're just sort of um, having to opt for what we have available. But it's going to be no extra burden and it's a joy for us to be able to put some more couples' weddings on here, to be frank. Kent Online News. Figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show hundreds of patients are being kept in hospitals in Kent, even though they're well enough to be discharged. In the first week of December, 3,500 beds across the county were being taken up by people who didn't need to be there. Delayed discharges are mostly caused by a lack of capacity in care homes, and health bosses say the system's under huge pressure because of workforce challenges which they're aiming to resolve. Well, we recently spoke to Ashford's doctor, Jack Jacobs, on the podcast, and he said this issue of delayed discharges is a real problem. There is a crisis in bits of the NHS at the moment. I think acute and urgent care is just not coping. There are lots of complex reasons for that. I think, actually, for that bit of the system, the bit that isn't working is that they can't get the throughput of patients through the hospital. So there are lots of patients. I have patients that I look after who are in hospital that probably could go home. They could go to a step-down bed. They could go to a residential care home. But there simply isn't uh, the care in place to do that. And I think that's absolutely critical. If you can't get the patients out of the hospital, you can't admit the patients into the hospital and they get stuck in A&E. And that's when ambulances start queuing. In fact, the numbers going into A&E, although I think they have gone up a bit in the last month or two, if you look at the numbers over 2022 compared to 2019, I don't think there's an awful lot of difference. Um, But the reason that patients aren't getting through are because of those backlogs in getting patients out of hospital. I don't think anyone wants to be there patients or their relatives. Meantime, Kent Hospitals increased its bed capacity after warning patients they could face long waits in chairs and hallways. Dartford and Gravesham NHS Trust has urged people to keep its A&E for emergencies only as it's facing an extremely busy period. The Trust, which runs Darren Valley Hospital in Dartford, says staff are doing all they can for those in their care. A&E waiting time figures are also out today. You can head to the website to see how the hospital nearest to you fared. Some news from court next and a July- Gillingham woman who helped drug and rob a young dad who was killed in his own flat has been convicted for her part in his death. Timideo Orr from Saunders Street worked with four others to target Saul Murray in Luton last February after he posted photos of himself wearing Rolex watches on social media. The 21-year-old's been cleared of murder but a jury found her guilty of manslaughter and conspiracy to commit robbery. She'll be sentenced in March. A lorry driver from Dartford who kicked and punched a man in a road rage attack has avoided being sent to prison because they were too full. Fabian Greco became violent after a near miss at the Darrenth Interchange in May last year. The 29-year-old from Ruby Tuesday Drive was given a suspended sentence. He's also been told to do 200 hours of unpaid work. And a Gravesend man who scammed 10 victims through a complex investment fraud has been ordered to pay back nearly £73,000. Lee Barnett committed a series of offences between 2014 
2014 and 2017 through a business named Britannia Direct Solutions. The 36-year-old from Tenzing Avenue was jailed for 18 months last April and could have more time added to his sentence if he doesn't pay the money. Kent Online reports. Now, charities have raised concerns today about whether the human rights of asylum seekers in the UK are being met. Politicians have been told 35,000 refugees are currently being kept in hotels after crossing the Channel to Kent in small boats. A joint committee of MPs and peers has also heard how some asylum seekers are having to put up with rat infestations, damp and mould. Maria Stevens is from Refugee Action. In hotels, we've seen conditions that are completely shocking. They are both, um, uh, you know, contravening the right to life uh, to some extent and also definitely in human and degrading um, treatment. We see uh, rat infestations, bug infestations, damp, mould. That's also in dispersal accommodations. That's longer-term accommodation that people might be housed in, not just in hotels. Uh, we've had an instance where a family that we were working with um, uh, their, one of their, uh, some of their children on two occasions ingested rat poison which had been left out in the accommodation uh, we've also had people who have um, serious health conditions being put into uh, situations that are so unsanitary that they've, then, uh, they've been immunocompromised and the, their, doc, their healthcare professional has tried to intervene to make sure they were removed but that hasn't happened and they've then become more seriously unwell um, so the conditions are I would say it's very, very serious. Overcrowding is also a problem in, in Manston and as in Napier Barracks, overcrowding, which led to uh, COVID-19 infections. But it also led to people being so distressed mentally that they took actions with an attempt to take their own life. That is more than suicidal ideation. ideation. That is um, an attempt. And that is deeply concerning, given the government's plans to increase the use of um, that type of institutional accommodation centre. Um, so we are very concerned about the current conditions um, and yeah people have very little autonomy um, in some of those settings particularly hotels um, which is another issue um, so I think there's also questions around places like Manston and Napier um, the right to kind of um, liberty being taken away from people without without any kind of trial because it ends up acting as detention de facto detention and placing people in horrifically poor conditions quite frankly. More than 45 and a half thousand people made the dangerous journey across the channel last year Polly Glynn is a lawyer who helps those arriving here on small boats. It's absolutely shocking. It's appalling that we're putting vulnerable people, people who have come to the UK to seek asylum in that kind of situation. It's absolutely shocking to me and I think to all white thinking people that that would happen. Um, it's, it's terrible that, the, that even when people are moved out of that situation, they're put in hotels and they still can't get health care. I've had cases where we were complaining that there was no fresh fruit and no fresh vegetables being given. It's the sort of food that it's okay, you know, if it was a month or a couple of months, do you know what I mean? I don't think anyone would be making a big fuss about it, but we're seeing families who have been living one room in a hotel for over a year. The leader of Kent County Council, Roger Goff, has also been giving evidence and has been explaining the impact channel crossings have had locally. There was a letter signed by 14 of us, so there were the leaders of um, the County Council, the Midway Unitary Authority and 12 district councils within the Kent County Council area. And I think there were two things that uh, particularly brought that out. The first was that we were seeing a confluence of pressures um, 
many of them related to asylum, not, I mean, some of them also to other schemes, if I may say. So, for example, one of the things I know was touched on in that letter was uh, the impact on school placements. Um, and that, at that stage particularly, was as much related to the um, uh, Afghan uh, related accommodation, particularly in the areas of Canterbury and Ashford. And you could see some very specific uh, school place pressures in a couple of school years in those areas because that's where that accommodation was. It's worth saying at that time you were just starting to see the evolution of contingency accommodation in terms of hotels coming into Kent. That's actually moved apace uh, since then. There was a, a knock-on effect both from, well, not probably by this stage Napier, but certainly Manston, in terms of local health um, capacity. And as I've said, there's also further impacts from unaccompanied minors and their particular needs as well. That particularly ties into certain areas of accommodation uh, and fostering. In 2022, there were over 1,300, nearly 1,400 young people who came into our care at some point. Now, many of those were then dispersed under that reception and safe care, but that is you know, over 100 a month. Now, if you could imagine a local authority, even a large one like Kent, taking 100 children into its care each month, you know, it's not a sustainable position. Now, through the operation of the national transfer system, we made it more so, but without that, then undoubtedly those duties under the Children Act would fall by the wayside, one way or another. Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories today and a dad of five from Whitstable has been described as a loving father and real face around the community following his death. William Etilach passed away at Margate's QEQM Hospital last Wednesday after being found by a dog walker near Whitstable Castle on New Year's Eve. Friends and family say the 48-year-old always helps someone in need and his death has left them heartbroken. More than £1,600 has been raised to help the family cover funeral costs via a fundraiser. A 75-year-old man who was hit by a van in Tunbridge Wells at the weekend has died in hospital. The victim was struck by a VW transporter in Culverden Down as fans left the town's football stadium on Saturday. Officers arrested the 55-year-old driver who remains out on bail until the end of March. A human trafficker convicted over the deaths of 39 people who were found in the back of a lorry near the Dartford Crossing has been ordered to pay the victim's family is more than £180,000. The Vietnamese men, women and children suffocated as they travelled from Belgium to Essex four years ago. A 43-year-old from Northern Ireland is in prison after admitting manslaughter and assisting unlawful immigration. Now, figures seen by the Kent Online podcast show the number of motorbikes being stolen in Medway and North Kent is among the highest in the country. They include expensive models that are being stolen to order by organised gangs, right through to cheaper ones used by delivery drivers and learners. Now, between January and September last year, 289 bikes were taken across the county. Medway was most affected, followed by Gravesham and then Dartford. Well, now a public meeting to discuss the problem is due to take place in March. Meantime, police have given us a description of two men who stole a motorbike from outside a shop in Maidstone. The suspect spoke to staff at JNS store on Lower Boxley Road 
before taking the vehicle five days before Christmas. You can read that description in full at Kent Online. And next today, the podcast has been told talks will take place with the new man in charge of Kent Police on how to reduce the pressure on officers. We told you in yesterday's episode how a survey's revealed one in six are considering resigning from the force within the next two years. Half also said their morale was low or very low. Another finding was that almost two-thirds said their workload had been too high over the past 12 months. Well, I've been speaking to Neil Many, who is chair of the Kent Police Federation. Everyone will be aware that, unfortunately, recruitment at the moment is a fairly competitive environment. And not too long ago, the Metropolitan Police uh, offered, uh, I'm going to use the word bounty, for, for, for joining them. And of course, we're one of the forces that, that surround the Metropolitan Police. It's not just about that, though. I think officers do consider leaving. But even if it's a fairly small team, um, most of our teams operate in shifts. So if we took, for example, a local policing team, even if one person leaves that team, it leaves a very big hole that other officers have got to cover and a lot of skills that we have to replace as well. So it, it, it is a big concern because we want our officers to remain with us for a full career enjoy their work and feel trusted and confident by everybody to get on with it and I think at the moment we're just not in a particularly good place for a whole heap of reasons which may be why officers at some point consider leaving or transferring and taking their skills elsewhere. I was going to say Neil what sort of impact would that have on the force if it were to happen and that number of officers were to leave how much extra pressure would it put on the force as a whole? Look policing is under tremendous pressure already it's one of those environments where we already know and it's readily apparent that demand on our resources well outstrips the numbers we've got. And of course, that can only get worse. And we're expected to do an awful lot of different things in policing. And it's probably time to get back and have a look at what the public actually want their police officers to do, because a lot of what we do isn't about crime. And we need to reduce the pressure on our officers and get them focusing on the things that are important. And I think hopefully we've got a new chief constable who's already had some ideas and is floating some ideas around restructuring and and moving our resources around to try and improve the morale of officers. And we hope that's going to be the case going forward in the future. Yes, you do have a new man in charge. How much dialogue do you have with him and and how easily are you able to raise your concerns and have a, a really good kind of constructive um, two-way dialogue with him about that? Very easily. And one of the advantages of the new Chief Constable, Mr Smith, being put in post is that we already know him and we've spoken to him quite regularly in his previous role as a Deputy Chief Constable. So he does listen to us. We know that he is aware of some of the things we're concerned about. There are some things that Kent Police can control and some things that they can't. So, for example, our pay is obviously a matter for government. Kent Police last year, to be fair to them, upped our southeast allowance to the maximum of £3,000 an officer just because Kent's not a cheap county to live in and we've got that donut effect of bordering the metropolitan. Yes, we do have regular dialogue with him. Uh, He's only just started, so we need to give him a bit of time, but I'm pretty sure he's got some ideas around resourcing and how Kent Police looks to try and reduce the workload of our officers as well, which would be a huge boost for them because some of them are dealing with enormous workloads aside from the economic pressures 
outside of work that they're also experiencing at the moment. Chief Constable Tim Smith officially took over the role last month. Kent Online News. If you live in Medway, your council tax could be set to go up. The council leaders hinted the authority would take advantage of changes to tax-raising powers, which would mean a 5% hike to help fund things like adult social care. That would see the average Band D household paying almost £80 a year more. An MP's calling for an investigation into delivery firm Every for its apparent poor customer service. There have been lots of complaints, including from a business owner in Margate who lost thousands of pounds worth of goods when parcels were dumped in a field in Chatham. Well, Carolyn Hughes is urging the government to take action. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak says ministers are looking into it. Several bus services on Sheppey are being axed because of rising costs and cuts to funding. Chalkwell Coaches says five routes will be withdrawn from the island next month. They say the price of fuel, wages and vehicle parts have had an impact. We've got a breakdown of the services affected on the website today. The £1 million transformation of a stretch of Canterbury's High Street into a leafy boulevard is expected to get underway next week. Shoppers are likely to see contractors moving onto the site in St George's Street on Monday, ahead of the six-month redevelopment. The plans, which include two new public performance areas and a complete resurfacing of the street, have faced a bit of criticism in the past because it's meant the end to the city's market. You may remember last year we heard from trader Frank. Frankie Fernando. He runs the popular gourmet sausage and burger company unit that's been on the high street for 14 years and at the time he certainly wasn't happy. It would be devastating. This is my living. This, you know, and not only that, last year I invested all that money down there on the waffle, on the waffle van. Council were aware of this, yeah, and a new electricity box. So yes, that's ridiculous from a business point of view. Well, traders did lead a hard-fought campaign to stay put, but they were forced off the high street and are now dispersed at various locations around the city centre. The project was first revealed three years ago, but had to be delayed because of the pandemic. The council, though, says it's vital that the paving is replaced because it's deteriorated and is causing a trip hazard and creating deep puddles. When it's all finished, as we mentioned, the street will have a smooth new paving along with seating, lighting and landscaping. In fact, you can see what it should look like when it's completed by heading to kentonline.co.uk. Kent Online reports. A couple whose little boy died after choking at a nursery in Ashford is celebrating the birth of their second child. Oliver Steeper was just nine months old when he passed away following an incident at the former Jelly Beans Day Nursery in Kingsnorth in September 2021. His mum and dad have campaigned for better safety in childcare settings. They say they're absolutely overjoyed at the arrival of Jake Oliver Steeper. A van driver who jumped a red light right in front of a marked police car came up with an interesting excuse. After being pulled over, he told police, it's a temporary traffic light and I saw nothing was coming, so I thought it was OK. Well, a video of what happened was shared by the Kent Police Road Unit on Twitter. You can see it on the website. The driver's been given a ticket and reported. A tiny kitten that was found cold and alone in Gravesend is making a quick recovery. Penelope was saved by Wisteria Cat Rescue after being abandoned in Parrick Street last week. She's been checked over by a vet and staff say she's an absolute fighter. You can also see pictures of her on the website. And you can follow us on our socials today to see drone pics of a huge housing development taking shape near Folkestone. The former Shorncliffe Army Barracks have been demolished and the site will eventually have 1,200 homes. Planning permission was granted back in 2015. Kent Online Sport. 
Football and Gillingham's game against Crawley Town next month has sold out after the club announced the tickets were pay what you can. They're fighting for survival in the Football League and will now have a packed priest field on February the 4th. Neil Harris's side are currently bottom of League Two and welcome fellow strugglers Hartlepool on Saturday. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajikanu will take on Germany's Tamara Korpach in the first round of the Australian Open if she recovers in time. The British number one from Orpington suffered an ankle injury while playing in New Zealand last week. The first Grand Slam of the year gets underway in Melbourne on Monday. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up for that, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.